broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout and discussing everything that has been taking place in the geek world over the past 168 hours. Well, give or take, it's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to Stolen Droids Podcast, episode number 239. I'm Zoner. And I'm exhausted. How are you doing, Zoner? I'm doing okay, you know, I've got the magic juices flowing through me which allow me to see colors. Just kidding, because most people can't see colors except the colorblind. That tells you what kind of stuff I'm on. That tells you exactly how tired he is, that he completely botched his own joke. I did. I, I fail hard. But you know what? I fail at so many things, and I'm just kind of accustomed to it. Yeah. Uh, I was up till 2 a.m. working last night, so we weren't able to record our normal time. We're recording a day later. Um, we don't I even was up till 10.30 reading comic books, so take that. He, uh, Colin is still crushed under a Midwestern stripper. And uh, Schmitty, <laughs> we've just lost Schmitty. We don't know where Schmitty is. Schmitty has like disappeared. I it's eleven th- p.m. Do you know where your Schmitty is? I, I think you know he was possibly abducted by aliens, which would explain why we haven't had an SD files for a few weeks. He got too close. He got too close, and so he was he was taken out. He was removed, which is interesting because I always figured I'd be the one removed. That makes you know that you were way off on your theories, and he was much closer. Either that, or the government is taking, it took him and left me as the example. Or they took him as the example, and they left me as, like, the the professor of the example. Like, I'd have to tell people now. Not like the professor, like a PhD. No, not like the professor on Gilligan's Island, because I cannot make a television from a coconut. I... This is going to be a weird episode. This is hey, going to be fun, I can already tell. Let's go ahead and shout out to our friends over at trekradio.net, kryptonradio.com, openbookaudio.com, stitcher.com, Eagle Moss Limited, and 4814 Web Hosting. Those guys are so cool. All of them. They're all cool. You know, I actually had a, a buddy of mine call me this morning and say, hey, I've got somebody who, or I've got a bunch of websites that have some malware and I contacted our host, and they said, "Oh well, because we did this to your server on the or to your sites on the back end, you're going to have to debug all your code by yourself. We're not going to help you at all." Now, forty-eight fourteen, they don't do that. They helped us out when we had issues. We did. We had uh, loads of issues. Some of them were uh, bad updates from plugins. Some of them were issues I created myself when I quote unquote knew what I was doing and modified some code. <laughs> Yep, but they helped us, and I actually told him. I said, dude, you need to call 4814. Tell him I sent you. Exactly. So if you are in that boat, you go do the same thing. Take our advice, because they're great. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have feedback. Yay! Bo- boy, do we ever have feedback. Um, first off, we have one from Nathan. Uh, Nathan says, okay, I have several items I want to get into this email. First off, I think you, Zook, are screening my emails again. Nathan, that's not true, actually. I I simply haven't gotten any. Uh, Second, my thoughts on Nintendo. Other than the different versions of the Game Boy, I don't think they've had... They've seen much success with hardware for a very long time. The GameCube, Wii, and Wii U only sold decently well because the console-exclusive games, Mario, Zelda, Super Smash Bros., etc. This thought isn't original, but do you think Nintendo could be more successful if they followed Sega's footsteps and stopped making consoles and are just focused on making games for their other consoles? For other consoles, not their other consoles. 
Third, on the last podcast, both Zook and Zoner both mentioned that the Samsung S3 was one of the best phones that you have owned. Here's the funny part. I'm still using my S3. However, in the near future, I will finally be upgrading. I'm currently with Verizon due to their coverage in Backwoods, Montana, but I am not close to the idea of switching to T-Mobile. Those two carriers in mind, what phones should I consider for the upgrade and which phones should I avoid? I'm willing to wait a few months, so include any notable phones that will be relieved released, I think you meant to say, in the near future. I don't want top of the line, but I do want something nice. Last, while doing some research for a story, I found a secret hacking group that puts Anonymous to shame. I was able to infiltrate the group and learn that the initiation for becoming a member was hacking a company that would have any private information on Zoner. Love the show as always, Nathan. Hashtag hack Zoner. <laughs> don't do that hashtag. People already hack me enough as it is. I don't need that nonsense. All right, so on his Nintendo game idea, I honestly think it's a good idea. Don't worry about consoles, or if you do, worry about handhelds. Because Sony fails in the handheld area ever since the the PlayStation Vita, and Microsoft just doesn't exist in that area. So I think Nintendo maintaining their DSs, I think that's a good idea. But yeah, make games for other consoles. That's not a bad idea. I think that's a really good idea, and he brings up a really good point that their hardware really only sells because of the exclusive titles. Mm-hmm. But Nintendo has, they're so protective of their properties, Mario and, I mean, you name it, Zelda, all these different properties that they have, I don't see them giving any other console manufacturer a chance with those. You know what I, I want to see? I think it's a good idea, but I don't see them doing it. I want to see an Xbox One title using a Oculus Rift Duck Hunt. That would be awesome. Augmented Reality Duck Hunt. Just yeah, saying. I could, I could get behind that. And let us shoot that stupid dog. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. You know, it's funny. Whenever anybody mentions Duck Hunt, my first thought is to shoot that dog. Everyone shoots the dog. Everyone hates that stupid dog. Laughs at my misfortune. <laughs> that is true. That okay, is true. third, on the phone front, uh, Backwoods, Montana. T-Mobile, I, I've driven through Montana, beautiful big sky country. Um, I went along the I-15 route uh, between Utah and Canada, so passing through Idaho through Montana. And I got just insane signal because it is so flat. Uh, there's nothing to block signal along the entire I-15 corridor. I don't know if all of Montana is that way, so I can't speak from experience on whether or not T-Mobile would be a good fit for you. But if you are anywhere along there, I had full bars on T-Mobile the entire way every time I made the drive. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. Again, I don't know which area you're in, but it's it's backwoods. It's it's backwoods. It's Montana. It's all kind of backwoods. <laughs> it's like. You talk about desolate Wyoming. Yeah, that's pretty much the entire state. That's Wyoming, you know. Yes. Um, As far as phones go, I am actually looking at the uh, Nexus 6P. That's actually the first thought that I had come to mind as well. But I've also heard some really good things about using a Galaxy Note 4. Um, because there's an additional adapter for it that increases the battery size to 10,000 milliamps. People are talking about ha- having their phones last for four days with that thing. And with the Android 6.0 Doze feature, I mean, I'm seeing people not lose any battery percentage overnight while their phone is in Doze mode. Mm-hmm. 
Could you imagine how long you could potentially go? If you're getting four days of life on Lollipop, you throw it onto Marshmallow, you could be looking at a week, yeah. week and a half maybe. I don't know. Now, I, the Note 4 is not the newest. That would be There's the Note 5, and then there's the 6 Edge Plus, which is about the size. However, the 6 Edge Plus and the Note 5 both lose the ability to remove the battery and the ability to have uh, an SD card. So that's a bit of a trade-off for not much performance gain. So it's your call. You might find it for cheaper because it's not the brand newest, but it's still a really good phone. It's still a perfectly viable phone. Yeah, and you know, with you being on Verizon, there could be some issues. I think we discussed last week with the 6P, the Nexus 6P not actually working well. But I saw some stuff this week. It looks like that's starting to change, so I don't know that by the time you're ready that it will even be an issue. Yeah. Uh, write us again, you know, when the time comes. Uh, next bit of feedback comes from Ruff. Uh, Zook, a fun and lively episode, especially the last section that moved on to Australia. We knew this was coming, right? <laughs> I feel required to, quote unquote, defend my home nation here. While it is full of things that full of things that can kill you, it does not fear technology, original thought, or initiative. To be frank, Australia was built by people who were not afraid to try things, even if it included stealing food to feed your family. I was going to say murder. Yeah. Jean Valjean did not go to Australia. He went to Paris. Um, If you are starting a new colony, do you want people who are just going to sit around and starve, or do you want to want people that'll try new things. The issue with Australia and tech is multifaceted. It is a huge country. Aust is about 87% of the mainland U.S. Its population is small, just 23 million, and it's far away. It is expensive to ship things there. Computer cases, such as Case Lab. There is no ability to spread, lar- spread large costs over many people. And finally, the appetite for this type of consumption is grossly unmet. Uh, for example, Netflix recently opened and crippled the Australian internet. You should see the bleeding from my Facebook friends. My wife and I have discussed returning to Australia at a few points, and one of the issues that we've become addicted to things like Netflix, Amazon, cheap cars, gas, and similar aspects that Americans take for granted. That and we were having a ton of fun at the moment watching the 2016 presidential process, quote-unquote, from the top, from up close. Anyway, time to go back and work on my tachyon reader. Cheers, rough. Uh, Ruff, as always, thank you. Now, honest question. This is going to sound like a racist one, but honest question. Was Australia an intended colony? Because I thought it was just meant as a prison. That's what I thought, too. I thought that it was where England sent all the prisoners. I, I, I'm not trying to be snide or, or arrogant. That's actually what we're taught in American schools, is that it was a colony in so much it was a convenient place to drop the people who they didn't want to store in their own domestic prisons. Yes. I, and and if that's wrong, blame the American school system. <laughs> Heck, we do. Um, as far as everything else, um, you're probably right. They're probably not against free thought and anything like that. However, if internet was as important to them as I believe it is, why haven't they invested more in their infrastructure? That's the real question. Americans do take it for granted. We do have fast internet, even though it's not the fastest in the world, because for better or for worse, we invented a good part of it, you know, and we host a large chunk of it as well. So we don't need a transatlantic or transpacific cable to get our internet. Heck, a major backbone of the internet runs right through Utah. 
So we we can enjoy plenty fast speeds without any issues. We do and take we that don't. for granted. And we don't have spiders the size of golden retrievers. It's possible that inter- that Australia has tried to invest in their internet infrastructure. However, every team of installers they send out to the bush to install the new coax just get taken out by the giant spiders. Yes, yes, because golden retriever sized. Once you guys manage to completely tame your wilderness, you'll be able to lay cable and actually have nice internet. <laughs> I, I want to make a Steve Irwin joke here, but I think we better move on. I was about to make Paul Hogan, but I think uh, I think that's equally in bad taste. All right. Hey, we have a call. Zane put a call into our hotline. Uh, again, if you want to give a call, it's 801-917-GEEK. Take it away, Zane. Hey, this is Zane. I uh, thought I'd call you guys because I think last week one of you guys was saying that someone should call you. So, hey, um, I was going to podcast just a bit ago about an open source world, essentially, and one thing that really struck me was democracy, first democracy on demand, where you, you can democratically vote through an app, and I want to know, what would you guys think about having that here, part of our political system, and also through our our phones and our technology that we have here? But I just thought I'd ask about that, so... Keep up the show. Please don't follow what uh, Scam Show did or, I guess, Movie Picture Show or or SC Files does, where it's irregular or not there anymore. Please keep the flagship Stolen Droids podcast there as much as you can. But uh, have a good one, guys. Thank you, Zane. Um, I'm getting the feeling that was probably uh, called in a little bit late at night. I actually know Zane, and he normally sounds a little bit clearer than that. <laughs> Um, democracy is an app. The idea of people uh, of gamifying democracy, I think is what you're getting at there. On one hand, I like it. On the other hand, isn't there like any number of dystopian sci-fi about that? I mean, isn't running man kind of that idea where you can vote via an app? I love that movie. Yeah, but you don't want to live in that movie. <laughs> no, I don't. Well, if, if you're not a prisoner. But, you know, I think we're actually getting closer and closer to that type of just callousness in our society. So, could could be not far off. Yeah. I One, I don't think it would ever actually happen because it is just morally outrageous enough that people won't buy into it. And two, it would requ- to do it right and make sure that it couldn't be altered or easily um, manipulated would require so much buy-in and so much development, no one would ever put forth the effort. I don't you know? know. Rome had gladiators. Yeah, and even Just, that required quite a bit of infrastructure. Yep. So Those, those saying. gladiators had great state-run health care, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Now, he did mention, you know, the weirdness with the SD files schedule. Yeah, I apologize for that. Again, Schmitty abduction, probably. I don't know. So, we'll see it what's happens, up. You know? It does. It does. All right. Well, I am the um, voice of warning. Let's, let's see. What happened this week? Um, let's talk Star Wars. No, Again? wait. That wasn't. Because <laughs> that was fun. That was fun. Now, I I think we do need to mention something, though, because 
for those of you who listen to the Generic Geek podcast, Zook and I did it um, because Colin did. Um, we talked at the end about the, what was it, Boycott Star Wars movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it turns out that was all just a giant troll that the social justice warriors jumped on. So, Well, and it's easy... It's easy to take it as real because uh, what is it? Poe's law. Uh, let, let me let me see if I can find the exact wording of Poe's law. Edgar Allan Poe. No, not quite. Here he goes. Um, Poe's law is an internet adage which states that without a clear indicator of the author's intent, parodies and extreme views will, to some readers, be indistinguishable from sincere expressions of the parodied views. Meaning especially on the internet, just because you wrote it to sound as outrageous as possible does not mean it doesn't sound likely to some people. Yes. It's why uh, things like parody and, um, oh, oh, geez, satire are so hard to read on the internet. Because I could read something and go, man, that's complete satire. No one would ever think that. And someone else would read that and go, you know what? They're right. You know, you're right. They're right. We should absolutely boycott it. Yeah. So I'm willing to fess up here. I got taken by it because I, unfortunately well, the whole internet got taken by it. Yeah. And it's not just a social justice warrior thing, um, which is a, a term kind of coined by our friend, Larry Korea, uh, that describes those bleeding hearts who jump on any imagined or real case of social justice, of social injustice. But, we all jumped on it because unfortunately for our humanity, that kind of behavior doesn't seem so far fetched. No, it doesn't. But I wanted to get that out there because it's not going to be mentioned in the next episode of generic geek podcast. So, and I don't want to wait two weeks to, to get that out there. So no, you're right. You're it's right. It's cleared. It's cleared. We're good. That being said, the next episode of generic geek podcast, that talks about uh, outrage against captain America is, confirmed that one's real that is so yeah tune in on on wednesday yeah because or thursday thursday i don't remember when i got it set to post but yeah next week or this week be there and be square yes Um, because we're geeks so we are square or round round is a stop talking stop talking (laughs) some more caffeine (laughs) just stop okay um (laughs) But now I'm going to make you start because I didn't do any of these headlines. Um, I did do one, though, and I want to start with it because it is hilarious, if we may. It's out of order. Um, the CIA, you know them, right? One of our three-letter acronyms. They're the really dodgy one that do hit squads and assassinations, and they're not allowed to operate domestically, but you know they do. You know That's what Burn Notice says they do, and Covert Affairs say they do, and Born, the Born Trilogy Every movie says that the CIA does things domestically. So I'm prone to believe them. Just saying. I have, I have no reason to believe that they don't. Now, um, the CIA also has some incredible sec- security, right? It's really hard to hack in there. It's hard to get their files. I mean, it's a game of cat and mouse. Other spy agencies try to crack their files, get in there, get their information. And it's just impenetrable. Unless the director uses AOL webmail um, and doesn't secure it. That that makes it a little bit easier. 
Was his server in the bathroom closet as well? Uh, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> um, so, yeah. The CIA director kept his personal email on AOL. And an unnamed source claiming to be a high school student has provided proof that he compromised the security and hacked into the director of the CIA's email. I, <laughs> You're like speechless. Remember, is- I've brought this up before, but you remember during the 2000 and... Um, oh, geez, what was it? Um... Eight elections? Yeah. 2008, when uh, it was Obama versus McCain. Okay. Yeah, and Sarah Palin's email was compromised because I think she had Yahoo. It, and was, she, it was Gmail, actually. Oh, it was I Gmail. Correctly. Yeah, Somebody she, figured out her security questions. Yeah, because, you know, Wikipedia. Uh, and when you honestly answer the security questions with questions that would be found on Wikipedia, it's actually really easy to do that. Now... I can't fault these people as much as I want to fault Sarah Palin for anything because she's quite faultable. Um, I can't fault them for wanting to keep a personal email address separate from their work. Okay. I think that's wise. Yes, I, I would agree. I'm not a vice presidential candidate. I'm not the director of the CIA. I'm barely the director of an IT department, but I want to keep my personal email separate. Heck, I keep my personal email separate from stolen droids email. At any time I have four different email accounts coming in, right? And I keep them all separate. However, I highly doubt anyone can get into my email. And you want to know why? One, I don't use silly security questions. Two, I don't use a dumb password. And three, I use something called two-factor authentication. I take steps to actually secure my email. There's nothing of worth in my email, but I still secure it using government level tools. So the question becomes, why didn't the director of the CIA an actual government intelligence agency use the same tools? That's a really good question. Surely they know they exist, right? Well, they're always complaining about the fact that they exist and they want back doors into everything. Well, and, and here's the thing that we may never know. We may never have an answer to this question. Say, Zoner, you're the president, okay? You have your presidential email. But I have to think that they also allow you to keep personal email, right? I would assume so. I would hope so. I mean, crap. It's America. But, it's a free country. If I want 12 emails, I'm going to have 12, 12 email accounts. But the Secret Service isn't just letting you go out to Yahoo and sign up for, you know, Zoner, President Zoner at Yahoo.com. I would imagine they let you keep existing email addresses. I mean... Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, they probably want to secure it somehow. So yeah. how come this didn't happen? I mean, there's just so many questions here. And what's really alarming is that we have an entire generation of people, people in charge who still don't understand technology. I think it's going to be that way for probably the next 20 years, too. Well, although some of these senators never die. 
<laughs> well, it's it, they get that in exchange for the dark uh, price they paid for their current it, exactly. position of power. Uh, exactly. You get to live to be 105, but you have no soul. Well, it's okay. I'm a senator. I don't need that. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have answers. I'm not bringing this up because I want discussion, but it really is quite alarming. You know, it really concerns me because you look at all of the lapses. I mean, I... I referenced Hillary Clinton. You know, you look at the lapses that have taken place with the Secret Service, just in like physical protection lapses, and all of the problems that the Secret Service has had over the last few years. The this government just there's there's holes everywhere that people could exploit if they so cho- so choose and it's not administration related i'd like to point that out not just because you know i'm the democrat of the group this isn't an apologistic stance i'm taking it's just simply it could be any administration in there and this is the point we're at in the world if you have a job such as that you need to know how to secure your stuff if you're the ceo of a company you need to know how to secure your stuff. If you're the Secretary of State, you need to know how to secure your stuff. Yeah, I mean, the director probably, I would imagine, didn't actually email um, country secrets, you know, the U.S. secrets over his personal AOL address. Well, let's hope not. But that doesn't mean that the information in there wasn't of use to people who may mean harm. A, a daughter's dance recital, the location of, you know, where the spare key is to the uh, guest house, um, where his motorcade's going to be as he takes a vacation this weekend, you know, even just what his schedule is for the night. This is all stuff that people can use to do harm. Yeah, it, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. So, um, thanks for killing my faith in the government. I think that's cute that you had any. <laughs> I'm an idealist. I'm a romantic. See, you know me. I'm a fairly optimistic dude. But when it comes to the government, yeah, that optimism just kind of goes away really fast. Uh, speaking of um, the, the a steel-toed kick to my feel-goods, uh, the government is trying to once again take a dump on our digital rights. You remember Sopa Pippa? Yeah. Yep. It famously did not pass, and then we talked about how it would just come back as a different bill. Hey, this is called CISA, and it just passed. But 83 to 14. Yeah, it, it just went through the Senate. This is really bad news. Really now, bad news. It is a voluntary cybersecurity bill, which is neither voluntary nor about cybersecurity. Uh, instead, it allows the NSA greater access using back-channel connections to infiltrate and intercept data to pretty much anywhere they want. Yeah. And just... there's nothing we can really do about it. No. No. Yeah, you know, it, you know that it's bad news. I mean, Google, Facebook, these companies have been fairly, fairly friendly with Washington over the last few years. And even these guys are out there saying, no, this is, this is bad. This is bad. You know, and Edward Snowden comes out and says, oh, look at what the government's doing with all this information. Look at what they're, what information they're collecting on people, yada, yada, yada. And now the government's coming out and saying, oh yeah, by the way, we're going to do even more. 
that's not very uh, faith-inducing in any sort of privacy or expectation of privacy. Only 14 votes against, only 14 senators voted against this bill. Yeah. Uh, there are so few of them, we can actually run down the ones that didn't. Baldwin, Democrat, Wisconsin. Booker, Democrat, New Jersey. Brown, Democrat, Ohio. Coons, Democrat, Delaware. Franken, Dele- uh, the Democrat, Minnesota. Uh, Lee, is that how you pronounce that? Leahy. Leahy, Democrat, Vermont. Markley, Democrat, Massachusetts. Mendez, Democrat, New Jersey. Merkley, Democrat, Oregon. Paul, Republican, Kentucky. Sanders, Independent, Vermont. U- U- Udall. Yeah, Democrat New Mexico, Warren Democrat Massachusetts, and Wyden Democrat Oregon. Now, that is not to say this was just on the Republicans, because there are plenty of Democrats who also voted for it. However, and here's the most frustrating thing about this. What do you want to bet? I don't actually have the numbers in front of me, so I don't truly know. I may be making this up. But how how much do you want to bet that the people who voted for it either voted in absentee, uh, voted in, uh, in absentia, basically saying they're not there, but they're sure they agree with it, um, voted present, meaning they don't have one way, one feeling or another, they're just simply there, or didn't understand what the bill actually was and said, sure, why not? I'm all about cybersecurity, terrorists. You know, none of them actually looked at it. Because I would imagine that the people who have actually been paid off by the lobbyists to pass this kind of crap are actually few and far between. You know, I think with the majority of of bills that go through Washington, I don't think any of these people actually know half of what they contain. Now, the the good thing is is that this is just from the Senate. The House um, has a completely different, differently worded CISA that also passed. Um, so they're going to have to go together and work it out what actually is CISA before it goes before the president. And President Obama has said many times in the past and has shown that he means it. He will just plain immediately veto any cyber data gathering tool. Any bill that comes out and says that he just immediately vetoes. That's not to say he's a freaking saint about it, because he at the same time also wants more access to protect American interests and other happy buzzwords. But I think this is not the hate on America episode, but I think we can agree there are better ways to go about it than this. I think there's a lot better ways. I'm actually looking at um, the Senate website trying to figure out who or who voted for what and how they how they were there. Uh, is the website waving its hand in front of you saying you are not interested in this information? Because I kind of feel that's the approach they're taking. It really is, which is kind of... (laughs) Yeah, this is not a very um, easily navigable... Did I use that word right? Did I say that word right? I don't even care. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so tired. Government websites are not awesome. I will just say that. They they are not awesome. Um, While you're looking for that, I'm going to jump ahead here to a wonderfully fun bit of uh, Department of Justice um, injustice. Okay, you remember famously back when the Department of Justice was trying to prosecute someone who had locked their phone 
and it was determined that they could not force this person to unlock their phone because it would be a breach of the Fifth Amendment. You know, this person was basically yep. pleading the fifth by saying, no, I won't unlock your phone. And they upheld that saying, no, it's they're right. That would be tantamount to testifying against yourself. And you don't have to do that. Well, the Department of Justice is trying a very interesting way around that. They're saying that technically Apple owns the software in your phone. Ergo, Apple should have a way to always access your phone, even if you have locked it. Basically, Apple should have a back door. Now, of course, the reason they're saying that is because they then want to subpoena Apple for the information on these phones. I th- I don't know. I don't know enough about law, but I'm fairly certain they don't have a leg to stand on. This is very concerning, and if it goes through, it's going to establish a very, very bad precedent. It's kind of like saying, well, Honda made my car, so they should have the right to be able to log, lo- unlock it and drive around in it whenever they want. Yeah, that that's essentially what they're saying. And I will not be surprised if something like this goes through. But it's like, if no, no, that, that's my car. I'm sorry, Honda. Yes, you built it. And yes, it's your stuff. I don't actually drive a Honda. I don't know why. It was just the first thing that came to mind. But it's like, no, no, that, that's mine. I bought it. It's mine. Yeah, that's that's not good stuff. That's not good stuff. You know, you stop and you think about it, and that's that's a very good analogy you just used. If with Honda saying, "Oh, well, I want to drive the car because we made it. We're just leasing it to you." I, I guess if it's a lease, yeah, then maybe that's applicable. But people buy their phones, and I think it was the RIAA came out a few years ago and said something along these lines that when you buy a CD, you're not actually buying the CD. You don't own it. You're just licensing the ability to listen to the music that's contained on that CD. Right, because we're all radio stations now. Yeah, and I had a real real bad problem with that at the time, and I still do. And now, you know, with the government telling cell phone manufacturers, well, you own it because you license the software to the person. You have a, you have right to access whatever is on that. That is a very, very scary proposition in my mind. What this is telling me is, is that device encryption, which is now standard on Android Marshmallow and Apple iOS does it as well, and I believe Windows Phone does it as well, Device encryption works. Yes. And the Touch ID sensors work. Well, and you look at how badly the government is trying to get backdoors into all that encryption. They're freaking out about this stuff. They want to know what you have on your device. And I say F you when they do that. You know, that's none of their dang business. Now, the flip side of this, of course, is, and we'd be remiss if we didn't bring this up, is let's say the phone they're trying to gain access into um, is a someone who deals in human trafficking. Okay, they're real scum of the earth. The FBI needs access into this phone to be able to intercept a shipment of children who are going to be sold off into the sex trade. Yeah, I went someplace dark, but like it or not, that's the kind of stuff the Department of Justice often is working. Right. Uh, This isn't the cop who pulls you over who then immediately wants to look at your phone. The Department of Justice does the big stuff. Yeah. And this is one of the reasons why they want that. 
Well, sure. I don't hate children. I mean, my own kind of give me gray hairs from time to time. But, you know, I want the FBI to bust a predator and to, to, to save children. I, yeah, let them into the phone. I, again, I just don't think this is the way to do it. Now, if Apple gave me a phone with the, if I didn't have to pay for it, if Apple gave it to me with the sole understanding that I don't actually own it, then sure. You know, yeah. They may ask for it back at any moment, and they may make changes to it, and they may say that the change I've made to it is is not authorized. Sure. That sounds weird, but I've had it done before, you know? Well, you know, you stop and think about it. People always say, well, I'm not doing anything wrong, so what does it matter? If they're just using it to catch the bad guys, then that's okay, kind of what you just said there. But you got to stop and think about it. Who's to say that you won't cross the wrong person in power? Or who's to say that the, that the people in power won't just go completely corrupt, <laughs> like they're not already? Yeah, accuse me of breaking out the tinfoil hat here, but... Who's to say that if they don't have or if they have access to your device and you've crossed the wrong person, that they don't put something on that device that then gives them justification for doing whatever they need to do to you? I, I look at it less of the uh, paranoid, they're after me kind of tinfoil hat way and much more of the foot in the door fear. You know, once they have their foot in the door, once this passes, what's the next step? Because it will ramp up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Maybe. it's like taxes. They they increase taxes. They're never going to decrease the tax like they say they are. They're never going to give back uh, power. Well, see, and I think you and I are philosophically at odds. You know, we have two very diametrically opposed viewpoints. But it's funny because we both come to the same point, And that is that this is still a bad idea. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny because we do that a lot. We are both very different politically. But we're both intelligent enough, which people are all laughing out, oh, honor, intelligent, whatever. We can say uh, that because our wives don't listen to the show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, you know, we're still we still realize when the government does stuff like this, that unintended consequences may be very, very bad for everybody. Yeah. And they may be intended consequences. Who knows? Tinfoil hat. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> Drop the conspiracy, Mike. Yes, yes. Now, you know, I gotta. I kind of feel stupid. I realize there's actually a link to the actual vote in that CISA article that we were just talking about. Uh, there were three senators who did not vote. Uh, Lindsey Graham from South Carolina, Marco Rubio from Florida, and Vitter, I don't know who that is, from Louisiana. Um but yeah, only three people didn't vote. Three senators did not vote. Everybody else in the Senate did vote. So that's scary. In person? Uh, I don't know if it's in person or not, but they cast a vote. They didn't vote present. They cast a vote. Uh, that's, um... that's, that's disconcerting is what that is. And there's a lot of people who voted for this who claim to be very pro-freedom, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah, I don't like that. Pro their kind of freedom. <laughs> pro-freedom of what they want you to believe. Yeah. 
Uh, let's go someplace a little bit friendlier. We've gotten this, really this heavy. Has been a, this has been a dark episode. It really has. Um, the false flag episode. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get new subscribers. The crazy kind. Hey, Alex Jones, send your listeners to us. <laughs> um, oh, that's not a happy. That's not a happy headline. Neither is that one. Um, not that one. Emoji. Android. Yeah, it's actually the one I just looked at. Androids getting new emoji soon. Are they same-sex marriage emoji? No, it's uh, a taco. It's a taco. Yeah. Well, iOS just got a whole bunch of new emoji earlier this week, and now people on their iPhones are texting people on their Android devices. And guess what? We can't see them because we don't have them. But there is taco. Uh, there's a beer lollipop, which I think is kind of funny. Um, <laughs> there's a bento box, a burrito, french fries. See, and what's really funny is the fact that a lot of these emoji come from um, Asia. Yeah. You know, and so a lot of them are Asian food. And they're Asian food I actually grew up with, and I look at this, and I'm starving. I know. it makes. I see the, that bowl of ramen, and I think, I want some ramen. Well, there's, there's nigiri sushi. There's a bento box. There's a... Um, uh, dumplings, uh, there's a sembe cracker, there's some udon, there's a onigiri, there's some curry, there's a naruto. Um, I mean, I am starving suddenly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my stomach's just growling. But they have flan as well. Flan who doesn't is, like flan? Flan is just, uh, uh, what culture is that even? That's Mexican, isn't it? That's Mexican snot on a plate. <laughs> <laughs> I had some delicious flan the other day. It was yummy. For one, it sounds weird that it's not flan. Like, it should be flan. Flan sounds like such a Midwest thing. Maybe maybe it is flan, and maybe I just have that weird Utah accent. A flan is the name of the dancer that Colin's currently crushed under. <laughs> she hopped out of a cake. Listen to GGP episode six. Yeah. To get the whole details. I, I don't know. It's just I'm a texture eater. Flan is just weird. I don't need is it that, on my phone either. Is that a is that a picture of Saki there? It's probably. So. But yeah, um the senior VP of Android says that more emoji will be coming soon. Unfortunately we don't know when. So yeah, take it for what it is. But that's good news, so yay, happy. It's it's not long, hopefully, until Android users can send an emoji of a taco. Um, here's some other good news. Microsoft Edge uh, will be getting extensions. However, not until 2016. So that's kind of mixed news. That's <laughs> yeah, not really I, good you, heard, news. you saw how I tried to spin it. I really tried I, to spin I, it. I know. You tried to be positive. You, you tried to work hard on that, and I do appreciate it. But Okay, so here's the issue. Microsoft Edge is an incredible browser. I love it. I love it, love it, love it, love it. And that's not just my Microsoft fanboyism talking. It's a great browser. With I still the, use Chrome. With, oh, so do I. And here's why. Because Microsoft Edge doesn't support extensions, and I can't live without my extensions, my Adblock extension, my Hangouts extension, um, my Password Manager, my LastPass extension. Even extensions that work in Microsoft Internet Explorer don't work in Edge. Like, it doesn't accept any extensions, and I can't live like that. So even as much as I love Edge, even as fast and as awesome as it is, I still use Chrome. Yeah. So the the idea that no extensions are coming makes me really, really happy. 
That being said, there are two things that are kind of at odds with each other in this article. Um, no, I take that back. I misread it. It's just one thing, and it's not great. Uh, the actual wording of it is is that Microsoft Edge won't get Chrome-like extensions until 2016. Chrome-like, meaning not actual Chrome extensions. Well, duh, of course not. It's not Chrome, right? It's Microsoft Edge. Well, the problem with that is is that Chrome-like means that it's simply saying, hey, look, developers can make extensions for this. It doesn't mean they will. Yeah. We've, we've seen this before. Developers could have made apps for Windows 8. Developers didn't. I, do, you, do you think, though, that by 2016, the developers will look and say, yeah, there's a big enough user base for Microsoft Edge that we it's worth our while? Or do you think that Microsoft Edge is going to have such a small market share, for lack of a better term, that it's not going to be worth their effort? For the general public, there is no real overwhelming reason to go to Edge. Let's be honest. Edge is only on Microsoft Windows 10, Phone 10, right? It's only on Microsoft Windows 10. So as big as Windows 10 has gotten, Windows Phone 10 is tiny still. I mean, I think it's still in the developer preview. Everyone's on Chrome. Chrome runs on your Mac. Chrome runs on your Chromebook. Duh. Chrome runs on your Linux. It runs on your Android. It runs on your... It runs on your tablet. It runs on your Mac. Yeah, I mean, it runs on your iOS. It runs on everything. Why wouldn't people just use Chrome? It's like people who go on and on and on about Internet Exploder and how they use Firefox. Like, they're some kind of hot snot. Okay? (laughs) Never mind the fact that Firefox has fallen from grace more times than I can count in the last five years. People run behind the industry. There's no reason to move to Edge. There's no compelling reason. So there's no... uh, You're right, you're right. There's no compelling reason for the greater masses to move to Edge. Ergo, there's no compelling reason for developers to develop for Edge. I'll be interested to revisit this in a year when this actually happens, if it does happen. Yeah. I, I imagine that it will, but I'll be interested to see what kind of user base Edge has at that point. If it's going to be a bunch of blue hairs out there clicking on the blue E because that's how they can email their grandkids, you know. Yeah. I and I think all of them have died. I think they've been replaced by the ones who just, I click on the Chrome. Am I on the <laughs> Chrome yet? <laughs> and they all call yeah. it the Internet. It doesn't matter what the actual browser is. They just call it the Internet. Yeah, bring up my internet. No, I use the Firefox internet. I've been trying to get my dad to switch over to Chrome for like two years now. I think he's still using Firefox, if I'm not mistaken. He's probably using one from two years ago. Probably. Uh, Speaking of no compelling reason, uh, Microsoft. Yeah. Um, that, that was actually a good segue. Well done. Yeah. Um, Microsoft Phone has fallen 54% in sales because of their quote-unquote updated strategy. Um, updated strategy meaning we're not going to sell anything. They haven't yeah. had a new phone to sell in how long? <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, 
they they really haven't. I mean, the Lumia 950 and 950 XL were only announced this month, and that was after the quarter ended. All it had over the summer was a bunch of basically trash. Yeah, mid uh, mid range and lower low end phones. Well, let's put it this way: I have a Nokia Lumia 810. It was made before Nokia Mobile was bought by Microsoft. Uh, it is three years old. Yeah, yeah, it's it's three years old. Uh, we use it as a home phone now. The USB um, port doesn't always work quite right, so it's kind of hard to charge. Uh, part of the case is cracked. It creaks when you use it. <laughs> it's still faster and more feature-packed than most the Nokia phones out there that you can find on any carrier. If I were to quote-unquote upgrade to a current one that T-Mobile has, its stats are half of what my three-year-old 810 is. Which really surprises me, because, you know, I remember when those when those Nokia phones first were coming out with Windows, and it, they were pushing them hard everywhere. Yeah, well, and, and it's a great phone. It really is. I only stopped using it because uh, T-Mobile updated their LTE service, and this could no longer handle it, and the USB port was being such a pain to charge. You know, you need a phone that's usable, and this one wasn't. I think this is going to have the same problem, though. The, the 950 and the 950 XL, beautiful phones. I want that XL. It's a gorgeous phone. And supposedly, they can. there's a developer kit out there that allows you to port your Android app over to Windows 10 Mobile. But if that's what they're going to rely on, if they're not going to get developers on board... Whoa, dude, let's be honest. We saw how that worked for BlackBerry with porting Android apps over to that. You remember ours? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it was ugly. It was I horrible. Could never, I could never get it to work. I could I could never successfully port it. You could, and you got the playbook out of it. but Which I promptly sold. Yep. I, I just don't see it. It's, it's one, another one of those no compelling reasons. Yeah, I think this is going to be interesting. Microsoft really needs to get developers on board. I think that is the only way that their uh, phone OS is going to be successful. Which is, I mean, everything I hear about these is they're just nice phones. Everybody that I know who has a Microsoft phone loves it. But they've got to get the developers on board. They Mm -hmm. really do. Um, Now, let's uh, go up into not great news for YouTube. Well, no, let's let's start that up. Let's redo that. Let's go to really fun, happy news for YouTube. YouTube has a new model that allows you to pay. Yay! Yeah, 10 bucks a month, 9.99 a month, and you get ad-free videos. You know, I don't even care about ad-free. You know what I care about with this? It allows you to download the videos for offline viewing, both on desktop and on mobile. You know, there's services out there that allow that anyways. I mean, there's a lot of websites that that's what they do. Well, yeah, one of them was Windows Phone. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's going to be called YouTube Red. Um, So yeah, it's coming out. Coming out soon. What is it? Uh, it's, it was in beta until September, um, I believe. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's what we're getting. Oh, starting on October 28th. Uh, so that will start. 
Uh, if you sign up via iOS, however, its service will cost you twelve ninety nine a month because iOS and different rules. Now, if I'm yeah. being perfectly honest, this is really cool. However, it is most cool because of our Chromecast. Occasionally, we set up a playlist, right? And we just go through the playlist on the Chromecast. And those ads are super annoying because they well, pop up. It's amazing, too, because a lot of them are inappropriate. Like, oh, my yeah. kids will be sitting there watching a Minecraft video, learning how to build whatever, and all of a sudden they get a beer commercial or something, you know, that's just completely inappropriate for a 10-year-old to be viewing. Well, it's, it's like it, Schmitty has said that, you know, they'll be watching like the Sesame Street channel on YouTube and boom, there's a Bacardi ad. It's like, why? Yeah. Which is surprising considering as much as Google knows about everyone, you would think that they'd be able to better tailor that, but... I mean, if the kid is, if if a viewer is only watching Sesame Street, there's a pretty good bet they're not drinking. Yeah. Just saying. Now, this isn't all happy, though. Um, there's some of these professional YouTubers that say they're feeling, quote, coerced into this subscription service. Yeah, I'll let you handle this one and then before I rebut it. Okay, okay. Um, so YouTube partners uh, basically are being forced into this. Uh, they don't really understand what it means for them, and Google is telling them that you have to agree to the terms of the subscription. Uh, they don't know how much revenue they're going to get from it, but they know if they don't sign up for it, they won't get any revenue because all of their videos are going to be marked as private. Um. It seems kind of convoluted. It, I think Google isn't really communicating well with their partners in this. Um, you've got some people, though, that are saying, look, I'll just go with the flow, and others who are freaking out saying, I don't know what this is going to do. I had to do it, though. I had no choice if I want to keep my livelihood of being a professional YouTuber. So, I don't know. I think it's... I think it's ultimately going to work out okay for everyone in the end. Mm -hmm. And people are just kind of freaking out because they don't know how it's going to work out in the end. So. Yeah. Now, here's the um, here's the flip side of that. This is not the first time YouTubers, the content creators, have kind of freaked out about a, a shift in terms of service. You know, they're trying to get the... Uh, uh, they're trying to get money a different way, and a lot of times it's the content creators who freak out about it, worried that they're going to get screwed out of some paycheck. Now, I'm not saying that their worries are unjustified or that they're wrong. However, we really don't know anything yet. It may actually work out in their benefit yet, because we, we frankly do not know until the changes actually go live and the checks start getting cut. In truth, it's very possible that no one is going to sign up, or at least not many people are going to sign up for a $10 a month YouTube plan. We know Schmitty will. He's he's told us for the past four years how he would pay for that. See, and I think 10 bucks is, I think that's a ripoff, if you ask me. But I don't use YouTube like a lot of people do. Right. If so, I'm spending 10 bucks, I'm spending it on Netflix. 
Right. So we don't know how this is actually going to go down or if it's going to go down at all. So I think this is a little bit premature, the whole freaking out about it. I agree. I agree. All right. Um, I I think our last one is that Pandora. Oh, yeah. We got Pandora. Well, Western Digital is going to buy SanDisk. Yeah. Not a lot to talk about there. Spending $19 billion on that. That's billion with a B. Uh, in case you don't know, both of those companies make computer media. Yes. Meaning storage media. Storage media, yes. Hard drives, flash drives, etc. cetera. Uh, but speaking of a lot of billions of dollars, um, well, not billions in this case, Pandora's got to pay the RIAA $210 million in a settlement uh, regarding songs pre-1972. And while they're doing this, they're losing subscribers like crazy, um, in in large part due to Apple. Apple and Spotify are stealing all of the Pandora, uh, Pandora customers, which makes sense. I'd much rather pay for Spotify than pay for Pandora because streaming radio is not on demand radio. Well, I mean, this, the thing is, though, the same thing happened to Groove Shark. I mean, a new player comes into the to the fold. With Groove Shark, it was Spotify. They came in. Uh, with Pandora, now it's it's Apple Music. But a new player comes in, tweaks the the situation, the, the playing field, just enough that it suddenly sticks it to a previous competitor. So, I mean, I don't listen to Pandora much myself. I don't listen to any of them all that much, honestly. Um so I can't tell you which one is better, but it's not surprising this is happening either. I actually like Spotify a lot better. I haven't tried Apple Music because I'm not an Apple guy, but I really like Spotify. Foot in the uh, door. Foot in the door. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let Apple onto your Android. <laughs> you know, I had to install Bonjour the other day. Oh, How'd that I make you feel? I was not happy about that. In fact, that reminds me I need to take it off. <laughs> Is it Apple? Is it French? Either way, I'm not happy with this. No, it's an Apple thing. I know, I know. <laughs> so, All right, into our favorites this week. Um, mine is kind of funny. Um, it's Bad Blood, Batman Bad Blood. This is hilarious because uh, how it should have ended a couple of weeks ago did Batman Bat Blood, uh, which was a parody of Bad Blood from Taylor Swift. So it got really meta there. But it's a new animated movie coming out from uh, the folks at DC and Warner Brothers. Uh, It's the only kind of Justice League movie they can do correctly, it seems, sometimes. But it's the uh, the Bat Family saga. It's kind of after Batman disappears, and Dick Grayson, and is presumed dead, Dick Grayson has to take up the mantle of Batman. Damian Wayne is Robin, and there becomes an entire almost battle for the mantle of the Bat. Um, They pull in Batwoman. In the comics, Batwoman, the Batgirls, Red Robin... Uh, Robin, Nightwing, and oh, geez, uh, Red Hood comes back as well. Did you mention Batwing? Um, I, was he in the comics, or is he just created for the? No, he was in the comics. I don't he remember his own him. Title? In... He's got his own title. I think he's a. Is he Grant Morrison creation? Mm. I don't remember. In any case, it's a really cool um series, and they're bringing it to animated. Uh, uh, direct to home video, uh, so this is exciting. Actually, I'm really excited for this one. Yes, uh, my favorite with Halloween just around the corner here. Uh, it's an oldie but a goodie. Uh, we've got Christopher Walken reading Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven, and 
if you're a fan of Christopher Walken or a fan of Edgar Allan Poe, you definitely need to check this out. Even if you've heard it before, I know it's been on CD before, uh, but if you've heard this, then you know how awesome it is. If you have not heard it, then you need to go listen so you can hear how awesome it is because it is one of the coolest things I have heard in a very long time. Very cool. Well, that is our episode this week. Um, again, let us know what you're thinking. Feedback at StolenDroids.com or give us a call 801-917-GEEK. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Friend us on Facebook. Hello, Google Plus us, whatever. Or just drop a note on the site. We still check there, too, you know. Uh, until next time, cheers. Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.